Welcome to Post Traumatic Faith. Today we have the infamous, infamous Andy McClure. Can I call you infamous? You can. You know, there's some people that think I'm a little uh, shaky. Shaky. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll just we'll just go with infamous. Andy is a husband, a father, a grandfather, a pastor, and a broadcaster. He has traveled the world to preach, teach, and entertain through athletics. He's been married for 32 years to Casey. Congratulations. And he is the father of three daughters, Whitney, Haley, and Casey. Whitney passed on October 20th in 2018 of Natural Causes. He's also the Papa to Hudson, born in the summer of 2020. And some of his overall work, including broadcasting and ministry, includes currently serving with his wife through Collegiate Crossings, a college access organization working with all students to navigate the college application, admissions, and scholarship process. He began that in June of 2012. There's a large focus in that group of on, on assisting low-income and first-generation students to break the cycle of poverty through education. Andy has announced several collegiate NCAA and NAIA national championships and tournaments here in the U.S. and around the world, and he will be working in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics for both men and women's indoor volleyball. So that's quite a, quite a list, Andy. You would almost think I'm 125 years old. Well, <laughs> well sometimes our, our resumes make us look that way, but but you're not. No, no. I'm still <laughs> in my 50s. Well, so. I yeah, I'm intrigued a little bit. Let's start off the conversation with some of your broadcasting. I was just mentioning to you offline, my husband is a broadcaster, so that's a part of our world. So um, as an homage to my husband, let's talk about some broadcasting. I was blessed. I was a junior college transfer. I was blessed to then transfer to a Four-year school. I, I was an artichoke at Scottsdale Community College. An artichoke? Artichoke. They are the fighting artichokes. Wow. Yes. No lie. Yeah. And then I went and became a lumberjack at Northern Arizona University. And that's when the broadcast career started. It was what I wanted to do. And I went to a little bitty AM radio station. Do people even realize that there is AM radio still out there? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. You don't think so? <laughs> So we were a top 40 station and I then moved into news and then I was blessed to be hired by the ABC affiliate in Phoenix and spent a lot of years there. Uh, we were a news talk radio station. So uh, sports we're talk or general? Both. Both. Okay. So I, I get to fill in with the sports talk. This is in the early, you know, my early 20s and um, uh, was doing some of that on the weekends and late at night. But during, during the day, I was in the news department. So uh, I was the one that would call the senators and the congressmen uh, on whatever was happening in the world the day or night before the next morning um, and get their reactions. And the same thing with everything going on uh, in the greater Phoenix and across the state of Arizona. Interesting. Uh, yes. So a lot of, I, I've been a news junkie and it hasn't stopped. Still a news junkie. Yeah. And it, at times my wife is like, really, really? <laughs> you know, back in the day when we had this thing called a newspaper, which we still do, but most people get everything online. They get it, you know, electronic. Right. I would read five newspapers a day. And, wow. Well, because we were the number two news talk radio station in the United States at the time. And so you're always trying to find ideas to send reporters, send producers out to, or I would make those phone calls and roll tape. And, and uh, we were blessed to be able to meet a lot of people that would be a who's who's list of, of folk and work with them at times and cover, you know, political national conventions and, and Super Bowls and uh, other major sporting events. And uh, then, then God said, you know what? You've been dabbling in this ministry thing here for the last few years. I think it's time you go into full-time ministry. So we wow. do. Uh, but we're still heavily involved in all of the athletic stuff. Uh, do a ton of work around the world with the NCAA uh, as their in-house public address announcer. 
So okay. I work a lot of division one events like in the Caribbean or other parts of uh, Mexico or Europe. And as you mentioned, yes, uh, I was blessed to be invited by NBC Universal Sports to uh, work the 2021 uh, Tokyo Olympics. That's fantastic. So, so do you have a do you have a sport that is your sport of choice that you would like to that you call? Well, my sport of choice uh, it's a it's a toss up. I would say college basketball, okay, and, and college volleyball. And so my assignment in Tokyo is volleyball, men and women's. And so they had initially dangled at me field hockey and badminton. Wow. Let that set in. Yeah. I'm like, oh, geez, I don't know either of these sports, <laughs> but I'll figure it out. You watch YouTube videos, you make phone calls to people that are experts in it, and there you go. And that's kind of how I learned lacrosse. I do a lot of NCAA uh, Power Five conference lacrosse matches, uh, mostly women. And that's how I learned. And yeah. After, after about four years, it's nobody's ever said anything. And so I guess I'm doing the job. That's how my husband started on his uh, hockey career, calling hockey, is he watched a couple of hockey games and then he read the rule book and went and called a hockey game. You sports guys are amazing. I don't know how you do it. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. He read the same playbook I did that said, do this and this and you can and figure it out. But because in the big picture, a, a lot of them for what a public addresser announcer, what I do is very similar. You know, you're announcing fouls, you're announcing scores, you're announcing, you know, you're, if you're, if it's a local contest, you're reading the local commercials, you know, for the car dealership or for the restaurants or whatever they are. And so there's a lot of similarities between things like soccer and lacrosse that just carry over. And so you're able to do that. I don't know how you do it. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. So you have, um, in your minister career, you have planted a church also, right? We did. In 2000, we moved. I grew up in the Phoenix, Scottsdale area of Arizona. And uh, my wife grew up in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, okay. Not only high school, but she then went to Colorado State University, uh, which is in Fort Collins, uh, from where I'm sitting right now, about oh, 45 minutes away. And I knew there was a heart passion for her to always return to Colorado. That's where her mom and dad were. And um a couple of church opportunities came about. We we met with the planting organizations, a couple of different denominations, but we're very similar. And then it was like the Lord put it on our heart. You're going to do this on your own. And wow. so, so for eight years, we were a totally independent, uh, conservative Bible church. Mm-hmm. And I say that because... I grew up in some th- in some church backgrounds at the Presbyterian and the Reformed Church of America that tend to lean center, maybe a little left. They're a little more uh, liberal, and that's not a slam. It's just it's who they are. It's who they are. And so um, we were going to go uh, that direction and uh, started sending out letters of inquiry to people for support. And we were blessed that within about two weeks, we had... Um, the next year's total financial need. Wow, that's fantastic. And so we moved to Colorado, uh, Boulder County. The town is Erie, E-R-I-E. Yep, little Erie, Colorado, which was only 6,000 residents at the time. Mm -hmm. And 20 years later, 21 years later, we're sitting here, it's probably 35,000. Wow. And so, because you can't go west, there's a thing called the mountains. Yep. And uh, you can't really kind of move that direction. So uh, Erie used to be a coal mining town and now has gone from kind of a middle lower income bracket to now middle to higher income Okay. uh, because of so much growth, big homes, new people. And there's so much technology uh, in the Boulder County area. Okay. And a lot of people relocating from different parts of the country. Is that the industry that brings that brings the most people in is technology? Yes. I mean, I have a father-in-law who was with Ball Aerospace and a brother-in-law and a son-in-law, you know, big aerospace technology, satellites, all of that kind of stuff. And then also in the communication realm of where a lot of people are coming from and literally not just from the U.S., but from around the world. Okay. 
that people are relocating to this area because you keep going east. It's flat land that you can build on. Right. So you planted the church, stayed with it for eight years, you said? Yes. And sadly, we had a recession. Yep. 2008, 2009, we had a lot of parishioners that had lost their jobs. And so the ability to support the local congregation kind of slid away and we had to decide what to do. So we did a couple of different things that the Lord put in front of us. And um, then it's hard to believe it was a four year gap. I traveled the country speaking. I worked in retail, did some other things to keep the family afloat. And then we started what we do now. While it's a ministry to us, it's not a Christian organization. Because okay. we, do, we do collegiate crossings is the name of it. It's because we work within the public school system. And to be a ministry to work in the public school system is like trying to push water uphill. Definitely. And so we went religiously and politically benign. And uh, all the folks that work with us are longtime associates, longtime friends, and all of them are Christians uh, with their own church homes, either here or in another state. But we don't put that on the uh, business card just because we don't want to have to explain ourselves over and right. over again. Is this a group, you, is Collegiate Crossing is a group you started? Yes. Okay. Inco- incorporated in the summer of 2012. And it was pretty much my wife, uh, just herself. And I know you would you you didn't hear hear it, but yes, I have a wife named Carrie and a daughter named Casey. And I think oh, you gave, you gave I mixed Carrie, it up. You mixed them up. That's okay. Uh, so it's it, it's a problem for the daughter because she's like, "Way to go, mom! My whole name is one letter different than yours." Thank you. <laughs> well, we named a daughter after me um, with the same name, so we have the same problem in our family. Yeah. Oh, it's been interesting when you go through things like TSA. Weren't you just here? Weren't yep. you just here? I just saw your name. No, no. And so she ran it and worked with students one-on-one. And the reason we went to this was because we had daughters now getting ready for post-secondary education. Right. They were that age. And um, how do we how do we pay for it? Because, right. yes, I'm working a lot, but is it a, a large enough income to be able to pay for, for tuition and everything else needed for a college education? And so after a couple of years of doing a lot of this on our own from, say, 08 to 010, or there, no such thing as 010, but <laughs> 2010, is people started calling her saying, hey, can you help me figure this out? Can you help me figure this out? Can you help me figure this out? And it just kept building and building and building until the point that we went, okay, we're going to have to incorporate, uh, attain a nonprofit status and uh, to be able to receive donations and gifts. And um, uh, we do a lot of work with churches. We do a lot of work with athletic organizations. Um, And here we are in 2021, uh, what are we Still looking at? Still rolling. Nine years and growing more and more by by the day. That, that's fantastic. You know, we ha- we have four children and I just watched the graduation of our second, cho- second child, um, but uh, navigating that system of getting into uh, college and graduate programs and all of that is, is a little overwhelming. So I'm sure that's a great ministry to a lot of people. Yes, especially uh, like, I, and I, I say this in connection low income and first gen. There are a lot of people yes. that that live where we live that actually make a decent living, but they didn't go to college. They got involved in farming. They got involved in petroleum Trade. Uh, because to the east of us, there's a lot of oil and gas. And so somebody that just had a high school diploma and they took a summer job and never left. Now they're in their mid to latter forties and they're making $150,000, a year, yep. but they don't know a thing about post-secondary education because right. they didn't have to have it. Right. So getting their kids in, they need help to navigate that. To figure out where to send them, how we're going to cover the costs, all the other details that go involved. Well, boy, we needed you. <laughs> Should have known about you a while ago. 
So um, tell me a little bit about Whitney's story. And I'm so sorry for your loss. That's that's overwhelming um, to even think about. But um, she passed away, you said, on in 2018 and as an adult. So tell me a little bit about that, her story. Whitney always, from the beginning of her life, has always been a counselor, helper, come alongside, let me serve you kind of person. And it was really big in middle school and high school. And so she thought she wanted to be a psychologist. Hmm. And then started looking at all the educational stuff and was going, oh, dad, I don't know. So uh, she got married a little bit after she was out of school and um, to a gentleman that she met in school. And he was an engineer. Uh, So he was and he's doing financially quite well. And so that was kind of her hope was she could do what she wanted. So she did go back and get her master's degree in elementary education Mm -hmm. and with the same intent to do what she wanted to. And that was to serve others and to assist them along their way and make their lives a better, better place for them. And so uh, when she graduated, her husband got a new job. They were in the Seattle area. He got an opportunity to move here to Colorado to work for the agency he had always wanted to work for. And that was Ball Aerospace and um, took the job and they moved here and it was in the middle of the school year. So she wasn't going to be applying for teaching jobs initially. So she came to work for us and did did a whole lot of organization for us, uh, which was extremely helpful. And um, uh, on Overnight, the 19th and 20th of August of 2018, he woke up and discovered she wasn't breathing and pulled her to the floor and started CPR and uh, called 911. Then called, once they got there, he called us. We jumped out of bed. It was you know 3.30 in the morning. We got down to the hospital and um, at 12.05, uh, she coded and she was pronounced dead. And ultimately, what took her life was um, acute pneumonia caused by E. coli bacterial infection. Wow. How did she get that? Well, you and I carry, and everybody else out there listening to us, carry disease. But we have an immune system that keeps it suppressed. So we have cancers and other diseases in our body, but our white blood cells and other factors within our bodies keep those suppressed. And as we get older, they probably overcome our immune system. Immune system, and that, right. And it takes our lives. You know, if we get into the, our 70s and 80s, well, she was 28. And her life medically was, was never good. She always had an immune system issue with infections, strep throat, uh, ear infections for years and years and years. And so it was not something that once we knew the final verdict, that surprised me. Okay. It's just sad that at the age of 28 is when it took her. Did you know, or was there any indication that she had pneumonia or that she had E. coli or any of that? Was there any clue? On, on the Saturday before she passed, she wasn't feeling well. So she went to bed early. And Sunday just kind of moped around the house. It really kicked in Sunday night into Monday morning. And talking with the doctors, they shared with us, if you had known what it was on Saturday and gotten her into ER immediately, we still may not have been able to save her. It was that far along. But we didn't know. Wow. She Because she had always had respiratory kind of issues that it was like, okay, maybe I just have the flu again. Maybe I just have a really bad cold. Right. And um because it was unusual, uh, excuse me, not unusual for her to have that. It wasn't like, oh, we need to rush you to the ER now. Right. It didn't throw up a red flag for you. No, no. So her her funeral was held on uh, the next Saturday. So she passed on the money. The funeral was on a Saturday. Her husband really wanted it to be at her high school. Um you know, such an affinity to the high school. She was a speech and debater, but huge sports fan, not an athlete. Her two little sisters were athletes, but she knew, you know, chapter and verse of just about everything 
athletically and sports wise. So we, you know, fit that she was my daughter. And so um, we said, yeah, because she just loved that. And we were overwhelmed. We had um, uh, probably a tick just above 800 people that showed up that day. Wow. From all over the country. Uh, Most of them, yeah, local, but uh, you know, for a 28 year old that didn't die in a tragic like accident or some major catastrophe, she died of natural causes. Um, is it blew us away? Just unbelievable. That uh, is that kind of outpouring to to her sisters and and, and to the, the rest of the family, her mom and dad. So, how do you even begin to process that kind of loss? You know, the simple answer is, and I'm going to use this phrase, and then I'm going to smash it, and that is, well, she's in a better place. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, if you are in a situation where somebody passes, don't ever use that line. Yeah. Because that doesn't say, I love you. That just says, well, I don't understand it. So I want to make this statement and it's going to really sound profound and theological, but it's not. It's, I don't know what to say. Right. And others will use phrases like, well, God needed her more than you. Well, oh. Don't ever say that either. No, no, no. Because what you're saying is a all-encompassing, all-knowing, loving God, while he is selfish to the point that he wants all people to come to him and wants all people to accept his son, Jesus Christ, he's not just going to pick and choose people off the planet and go, I need them. Right. I know it's going to cause you grief, but just understand that I need them. No, right. don't, don't say that. Yeah, and, and there's there's several other things that people said. Uh, some were more personal, you know. Well, do you? Because she was a big girl. Do you think her weight had anything to do with it? Oh, they oh, would ask that. you that. Yes, and I'm oh, like, really? Terrible. No, she had all these infections back when she was a a toddler and an elementary school child. She, you know, she started to gain weight and get bigger when she got into latter years of high school and into college. And it's like, no. No, I just can't even imagine somebody saying that. Well, then you get the other two and I'm building to those. One was, are you sure she didn't take her own life? Why did you go to a parent and who's grieving and ask that question? Why? Because you don't know anything else to say. I'm actually building to something in, in, in response to your questions. And the other one is, um, did she die of an overdose? Wow. No. no. Unbelievable. Until, unless you want to say Dr. Pepper was an overdose. I mean, she, she loved her Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and so I share those with you because you're also going to have people. We had it, and I know it happens because of who my wife and I are. Um, we get the phone calls when there's a lot of tragedy. For a pastor not serving a congregation in that pastoral role, a setting at this moment, we get the calls when somebody passes or somebody's in the hospital on life support. And in the last month, uh, we're probably working with five different families. I've got a couple of funerals already set up, sadly. Um, you know, a dad, 55 years old, who passes mm. with three children and a, and a huge career. Another dad who passes, who had some respiratory issues and with high school and college age kids is you get the, 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 the next issue, which says, you know, uh, yeah, I kind of gave you your distance. I, you know, I didn't want to be in your face. So yeah, I couldn't attend the, the funeral and I didn't reach out because uh, I didn't know the proper thing to say. Yeah. So here's what I'm leading to. And that is, here's what you say the next time, because there will be a next time. Mm-hmm. If it's, your spouse or their spouse or their children or their parents or their siblings, whatever it is, you're going to be facing life and death again. Absolutely. It may be five minutes from now. It may not be for five years. And this is my simple conclusion. Go to that person, give them a hug, whisper in their ear, you love them, and then step back and watch to see what they need. Right. Right. Because Absolutely. If you ask, 
if you ask them, hey, what can I do for you? What can I? 99.9% of the people that lose a loved one are going to go, oh, no, no, no. Oh, we're fine. We're fine. fine. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Because why? They don't want to be a burden. Right. And it's hard to ask for help. And it's hard to know what help you need in a a situation. Because you feel bad enough already that you've burdened this community dealing with the loss of your child or your spouse or whomever it may be. And now I'm going to burden you with, could you run the lawnmower over my grass? Right. Could you come over and fold my laundry? Could you come over and if you have small children, because Whitney's youngest sister at the time was just starting her career as a high school teacher, um, you know, uh, can you can you drive my kids to ball practice for the next week? Yeah. Yeah. And And it's those little things that make such a huge difference. And you just, you don't know how to ask for those things, but they make a really big difference. We have a, um, our third child, our daughter was, um, is a cancer survivor. And at two and a half, she had cancer. And we faced some of the same things you're talking about, um, people saying ridiculous things, but also um, just not knowing how to ask for help. It's, it's overwhelming. I, you know, in line of ridiculous comments, we had uh, these wonderful chaplains that came to visit us in the hospital when in Denver, we were at Denver uh, Children's hospital and uh we we were down there and these chaplains came and and they were just lovely and prayed with us and on the way out the door they turned to me and they said we just want you to know we know how you feel we have both had children die within the last year well my child wasn't dead and (laughs) i mean it was just it was just the craziest thing and i was like i know that's wrong (laughs) Yeah. And and so how do I explain that last part? Step back and see what they need. Yeah. And and, and before I address that, I got to say to you, I'm sorry, you as a family, you as the mom, you know, had to face the goofy statements or questions. Yeah. You know, and, and we're getting it right now. I know I'm diverting a little bit and I'll come right back. And that is with all of the COVID and the vaccination issues. I think people feel that they have the right and the privilege to ask you. So Jill, did, um, did you get vaccinated? Mm -hmm. That's not your information to know. Mm -hmm. If, if Jill wants to tell the world, yes, I did, or no, I didn't, that's your prerogative. But for somebody to go and ask, well, why do you want to know? Yeah. Cause you have a curiosity or you, you want to have a mental judgment. So Mm -hmm. Is okay. So let's go back to what we, what I had shared before. Step back and see what needs to be done. Is the amount of people that showed up at the hospital when Whitney passed? She died at twelve oh five, and by twelve twenty, fifteen minutes, people were already showing up. Wow! I don't know about you, but I don't think I could sit here and finish this interview with you, and in fifteen minutes, change my clothes put on my shoes, grab my keys, get in the car and drive to the, to the hospital. And I live in a metropolitan area. So the hospital is not that far. Right. 15 minutes. How? Why? It's a God thing. I'll leave it there. I'll trust that. But within the next half hour, we probably had 45 people there at the hospital. And they started showing up as we made our way home later in the day. They were showing up at the house and people were already showing up with food. Was that a comfort to you that they showed up or was it overwhelming? Both. Okay. Overwhelming in the sense, and my wife would truly probably say far more overwhelming for her, though she does a lot of some of the same things that I do with working with people and leading some online Bible study kinds of things. She still wants just the intimacy of her family. And so all of these people were people that we knew and they were great, but here's here's a goofy thing that that we have to understand is that everybody at a at a funeral or memorial service wants to go to the parent of the lost child or the the spouse of the lost husband or wife and yes. they want to pour out to them and there is a sense in their heart and in their mind that i need to be friendly with everybody here and there's 200 people here mm-hmm. how can i consciously spend time with every one of them that's why I said step back and watch. Right. 
Don't just jump in and, and do things or beg them to let you do things. But when those people came to the house, it was a blessing because all of a sudden now we have a house of 30 people and it's dinner time. Well, food showing up. So guess what? They get to eat. Yeah. We get to eat. That was a huge blessing. And that happened for several days. But then there was this and people would back away from the group and they went and scrubbed the bathrooms Hmm. or they went and scrubbed the countertops or they went and put away the dishes that were in the dishwasher from the night before. Yeah. Didn't say anything. We just watched them do it. And I learned with volunteers, if somebody's willing to volunteer, let them. Yep. Give them two or three points of direction, but everything else, just let them do it. Absolutely. If they, have, if they have to figure out where the plates go and where the silverware goes, let them rummage through the kitchen. What are you hiding? Mm-hmm. Nothing. So let them do and do that and then reload the dishes that might still be around or scrub this, the stove or the oven or whatever it is. I, I would think say- people really, they're well-intended. I generally like to look at people that way, that they're well-intended. They want to do something, but they just don't know what, and that's something tangible they can do, right? Exactly. And that's why COVID put a kibosh on this for many, many months and, and several other things have gotten in the way, but I wrote a book. Uh, titled Just Show Up. And it's at the publisher. And uh, hopefully we get it out here soon. And while Whitney is the inspiration of the book, she's not the focus. The focus is, so yes, I tell her story at the front side, but then give biblical examples why we are called to take care of our brothers and our sisters, Mm -hmm. believers or not. Because how else, you know, to see Jesus than through just your next door neighbor, right? Or your coworker, and or the little league coach, or whatever it may be. And so I then set up a biblical principle as to why we are called to do this. And then the predominance of the book itself ends up being chapter after chapter how you can just show up at your local school, at the humane society, at the hospital, at. Uh, excuse me, your little league or any other sports organization, Mm -hmm. how you can do that at your church. Yep. You know, show up on Wednesdays with the vacuum and run it through the sanctuary and just tidy things up for Sunday worship so that staff doesn't have to, they can focus on direct ministry. You're doing some of the cleanup that they don't have to do. Right. Right. Absolutely. Go into the Sunday school rooms and run a damp rag across the tables and the chairs because there was finger paint or glue or whatever it was, and just show up and do it. Don't make a big deal about it. I remember a dad calling me years ago at the church where he had two little girls, just precious, and he was trying to teach them this principle of just showing up and, and helping, especially at your church. And, he, and, and we were a mobile congregation, and so we had to set up every week, mm-hmm. drag a trailer, offload, and I had some <laughs> wonderful people. I've that done that. <laughs> yes. That were helping. And so one of the things was we had a decent little auditorium that sat about 300. And uh, he said, what if we, for the next six months, show up and set out the Bibles and the pencils and all the literature that goes out about the church or varying things that are going on? I said, absolutely. That's fantastic. We'll show up at this time. Is that the proper time? Yep, that would be great. And so here he had this this like eight-year-old and six-year-old daughter. Oh, golly, I'm sitting back thinking about it going, okay, they're probably in their early to mid 20s now. And um, he said, I want to do that. And I said, you can absolutely do it. He said, really? You'd let us? And I go, yeah, you want to volunteer and help the kingdom? (laughs) I'm not going to stop you. (laughs) Yeah. And so why can't Bob and Sue and Dave and, and whoever else out there, big church, little church, whatever it is, why can't you do that? Why can't you do it at the elementary school? You know, Miss Smith, the second grade teacher, probably needs uh, photocopies of stuff that she's passing out to her kids. Why can't you be the one that does it for her so she doesn't have to stay until six o'clock at night? And what you're saying is don't wait for the invitation. Don't wait until the, the need is so overwhelming. You're saying just do it. Just show up. Just show up 
and say, hey, I'm here. I've got an hour. Can I help you with X, Y, Z? And, you know, uh, where I live right now, and this is where we've lived, um, and I know you're only going to use the audio portion. You see me. You see pictures of the family behind me. um, Is people show wanted to show up and mow my lawn. Well, I don't have to mow my lawn. We have an HOA. Yeah, we have to pay for it. But that's the way it was set up. Uh, Fairly new homes. And the HOA does it, but they were wanting to do landscape stuff. Why? Because, oh, they enjoy that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a hobby for them. And once they're done with their yard, now they're looking for another project. Oh, let's go over to theirs. But see, you can do that also, not just on a death, but when somebody has a, a newborn baby. Mm-hmm. You know, mom and dad just are overwhelmed because yeah. their sleep patterns are messed up, especially if it's a first or if you have multiples. Can, can, can we just do that? Can we bring dinner? Mm-hmm. I bring dinner to a lot of folks. And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm going to say this because I bring the same meal to everybody. And take it in disposable dishes so you don't have to return a casserole yes. dish. Exactly. I started doing that several years ago when you go to the grocery <laughs> store, you buy those aluminum trays. Yes. And so, yeah, keep it, wash it, do whatever you want with it, but I don't need it back. Because the, you know, the actual real dishes, the crockery of, you know, real, not China, but the next step down. I think I had 15 casserole dishes to return at some point. I was like, this is ridiculous. Yes. And I have, you know, and maybe that's how come I've got so many of those, you know, Pyrex nine by 13 in my, and I used most of them all the time. I've got six or seven of them. Why? I don't need that many. Well, because I think somebody you know, sent us something and we tried to return it and we never made the connection. Yeah. So, but I I do in my pantry, I have those aluminum trays that are, you know, they're taped together when you buy them in three packs and then say, save it. You can use it now to give to somebody else down the road. Absolutely. You lose the little plastic top, you know, saran wrap or or aluminum foil will easily cover it while you're transporting to somebody's house. So how did you handle uh, grieving her, her loss? What does that process look like to you? I am an events person that likes to get up and keep moving. Yeah, I'm a chubby bald guy, but, <laughs> you know, based on talking about the sports things that we were talking about earlier, I worked about 250 events a year. And so I'm not one to sit and wallow on anything most of the time. A day or two, okay. But I also am an individual of faith that says, okay, Lord, I don't understand this. Mm -hmm. I have no clue why you allowed this to happen today. Why you allowed this to happen, you know, for 28 years, bad immune system, but she wanted to keep going and doing. I mean, it was not debilitating. There would be times that right. she had to stop. But I'm an individual of, of faith that says, okay, somewhere, somehow down the road, we're going to see that silver lining. We're going to see and be blessed by opportunities to share this story, to give somebody a hug, tell yes. them they love them, and then step back and watch. And so here we sit almost three years later and the number of phone calls and the number of emails and the number of times that I'm at an event and people know who I am that come up and want to minister and I listen to them and listen and then share. They turn around and go, you ministered more to me than I ever thought of in what I was trying to do for you. How come? Because God put a burden on our heart with the loss of our child. Mm-hmm. But we understand it was for the greater good. And in almost three years, uh, there's probably 150 families that have come to us wow. and asked, what do we do? How do we do this? And you get the spectrum of those who are completely numb and those who are so hyperactive over the top that all you can do is sit. And, and, and wait it out. My education uh, with a seminary degree and, and an ordination, I had to do a year of hospital chaplaincy. Okay. 
And the first thing that I learned that, you know, here we are 30 years later that stuck with me was you're going to get a call into a room and it's Bob. He pages you back in the day of pagers. Right. And, uh, and uh, he's going to page you and you walk in and Bob's laying in his bed watching a game show, watching the prices right. And you acknowledge Bob and then you ask, hey, is it OK if I sit in that chair next to you? Yeah. And so you sit. 15 minutes comes and goes and they say zip. Why? They just needed somebody to come by and show that they cared. Absolutely. They just needed somebody to come by and say, you know what, Bob, I don't know you other than your name's Bob, but I'm going to give you grace and mercy and love because you're one of God's kids. And I'm just going to sit here and listen for the moment that you finally want to say something. And I think we minimize the gift of presence of just, of just being with people. I've heard it said that, uh, that it's withness, the, um, you know, what is your withness, just being present with people? What's the greatest asset that Jill has in her life? Just to be present. Yeah. And I'm going to say time. Mm -hmm. You giving somebody time says you value me as an individual. You value that I have a difficult moment. You value me in just wanting to be present, as you said. So let me make you chuckle a little bit. Let me, you know, get, refill your water glass or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. your time is so valuable. And so when you give people their time in the hospital or in your neighborhood uh, or at, from work, whatever it may be, right? that person knows I am a value because Jill gave me her time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to say, too, that it's not just in tragic circumstances or catastrophic circumstances. This this just show up is in everyday life. It's not just when there's something emergent, right? Exactly. I, I'm sitting in my office, which is a bedroom in our house, to run our nonprofit. And to my right is a window. Uh This part of the face is a little brighter than this part of the face. (laughs) And so next door to me um, is a neighbor, a single woman about my age, and she's not at home right now or gone for the next week. And what's interesting, the computer I'm sitting at right now is not the one I normally use. It's on the Uh other side, and I can see her house better, actually. And so there's been times I've texted her and said, do you realize you got somebody climbing on your roof? And she's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're doing this. Hey, thanks for thanks for watching out. Checking in, yeah. Right. So I know she's out of town right now. And she's like, hey, uh, if you see anything weird, just let me know. Or if you have to, dial 911. Sure. I'm not going to stand her in her driveway and, or her front step mm-hmm. and, you know, arm guard and, and protect your home. But just show up in the sense of pay attention to what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you something because um, it's something I've tried to do this last year. And because of COVID, schools were not allowing outside people. And, and this is something that I've written about and shared in the past, and that is the issue of finishing well. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm te- speaking to older gentlemen. You're, you're retired. What do you do? My dad used to always say, oh, just enjoying the good life. Well, yeah. After like four game shows on TV, Aren't you bored? Yeah. Isn't it time to get up and go do some? Dad, here's an idea. Go to Walmart, Target, someplace, and buy mathematic um, flashcards. Might spend a dollar on each. So if you get like addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, get those, and then go ask Mrs. Smith at the local elementary school, explain yourself and say, do you have any kids that I need to drill on their basic math skills, because maybe they're in third grade, but they only have math skills of kindergarten, first grade. Mm-hmm. And I help you. And that teacher is going to look at you going, uh, you are an angel. Thank you. And so I've encouraged people to do this. I've done it some, but I wanted to expand it um, this year more because of the whole issue of just show up. And these teachers are like, unbelievable. 
You come and give me an hour, two days a week. Well, there's two things that are happening. One, you're helping those kids. Mm-hmm. Just your presence showing up, as you said, being present. And the second is now I have, I'm a 65, 70, 75, 80 year old man or woman that now I have a reason to get out of bed two or three times a week. Right. That's not just to sit on the couch and watch game shows. Right. And so we as a family made a overt um, action to how do we take what happened to our daughter who loved kids, who was very big on education. How can we make her life something other than just a fleeting passing moment? And so we went to the elementary or excuse me, the high schools of a few schools in the area that um, we do a lot of work with, with collegiate crossings and presented them an idea. And so right now we have four high schools uh, that are on board with this. And what I'm talking about is uh, scholarships. Mm-hmm. So they raise money throughout the year and in the name of collegiate crossings, Whitney McClure, um, we award in the spring and we have several dinners to attend coming up one here at our home and then some at different schools. There are now eight scholarships in her name, one university, Fantastic. four high schools. Uh, then there are people that give money to our nonprofit with the direct intention that those go out. And so I'm blessed because I love to cook. So I have, you know, 25 people over to the house one night to present those awards to the kids that we've worked with their school. They've given us all the information, black out their names. So we don't know who it is. And we just read their applications and then Mm -hmm. make the presentation. And so why do I share this? Not so that Andy and Carrie get pats on the back. It's because Whitney showing up in their life in helping them attain that post-secondary education with this financial gift. Mm-hmm. And so we do a thing on Facebook, uh, the first of June, it's called 28 for 28. She was 28 years of age when she passed her birthday is June 28. So we give people the opportunity to donate to these funds um, at $28 a piece. And we've raised tens of thousands of dollars over the last three years to be able to award to kids that were very precious to her. And so we know out of her life, there is still tremendous good happening because you watch these families that are very low income. And when I say low income, they're making twenty-five or $30,000 a year mm-hmm. to support a family of five. Good luck in Boulder County. Right. Um, based on just housing, that covers housing only. Um, you know, oh, then there's utilities and groceries. Oh, think of those. And so uh, it, the steam is picking up. And I would see this year that we would have even a greater response than we've had the last two years. And that is, okay, Lord, you've given us a mind. We, I'm an I'm a, um, events person. What, what should we do with this? How can we keep her story alive? Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of ways, though she's passed, she's still with us. Yeah. I think what you're saying is the concept of use what's in your hand. Um, You know, Moses, Moses had a staff, David had, David had a slingshot. You use what you have in your hand for the situation at hand. And you guys have education and connections with schools and things like that. That's what you have. Not everybody has that. I have a different skill set. I have a microphone and I have a pen. I write, use what's in your hand, right? Exactly. And, and because we post this on social media and give people an opportunity to go and click on this URL and give, we've actually had uh, three, four uh, in the last two years, families that have contacted us and said, we have a son, we have a daughter that died in a motorcycle accident or died in natural causes or, or cancer, whatever it may be. And we see that you're doing this to honor your daughter. How, how do we do that? How do we mm. do that? And it's never an issue between them and us that it's competition. Oh, no, 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 no. You live in, in, in Bentobo, Arkansas, or you live in someplace in Pennsylvania. Sir, reach the people in your circle. Absolutely. And, and let them help you help others. 
And then they can step back and go, wow, I just saw that this kid that we helped support with a scholarship just attained their bachelor's degree and they're now working XYZ to not only support themselves, but to support their family or future family. And third, now they're in a position financially because they have that post-secondary educational diploma in their hand that they are now in a financial position to support the community in which they live. Absolutely. And pay it again. Well, I'm going to ask you to email me um, a link um, that we'll post in show notes if if anybody wants to give in Whitney's name. Um, you know, our guests have opportunity to do that, and I like to I'd like to share that. And your book is called again. Just, just show up. Just show up, and hopefully that will come out saying, this year. Yes, I'm saying. Just show up from the publisher. No, uh, <laughs> and so yeah, that will hit social media once it's ready to go. the The book itself is all done. Um, we had some minor edit issues, and and that was fine. And and then the actual physical maturation of printing and and, and presenting. Right. So um, that's a lot of work. It, it can be. And the sad thing is, because I talk a lot and I get paid to talk, there's actually like three more books that are sitting in varying stages here in this office, but I don't attempt them until we get the first one fully done. Right, right. And they're going to be all very different. Some will be, yes, ministry-based, but then there's also some things that are um, athletic goofiness. Yes. <laughs> It'll be entertaining to read those. Yes. Well, Andy, I just um, I just cherish your time, and I I appreciate it, and uh, I love your perspective on on life and where it's taken you, and I just wish you every every good blessing that can come your way. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you reaching out and and me to share the story of Whitney and how others can show up and bless those that are facing. Uh, at times, positive issues and yep. also tragic issues. Absolutely. Well, thank you. You're welcome.